The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Michael Bolick, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for March 12th, 2021. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young. And as you listen to this, I am only hours away from, well, maybe it's already happened, but from from when this is released, I'm hours away from the papers that I've already signed going to the cellar of the house my wife and I are going to buy. And indeed, as my dulcet tones hit your ears, your boy may just be a first-time homeowner in Austin, Texas. Oh, so excited. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. And I'll say this before we even get into anything. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you guys did this. You guys, you guys not only created this podcast, you have given me the stability th- thanks to your support to actually, you know, advance in life and do things that I... To be totally honest with you, I never thought that I would be able to do without working for somebody. I turned to you guys and I said, can I work for you? Can I please work for you, the people? You said yes, and I'm eternally grateful. On this show, I get back to work, all right? Stop slacking. Enough talking about things, all right? You got to gotta get into, in, into politics. So uh, let, let's go ahead and, and lay out what we got on the menu. We're going to update our amendments bracket with Brian Brushwood. We're going to get into our mailbag, including a letter calling me an idiot for suggesting Logan Paul could run for governor in California in the recall. If there are 300,000 undocumented RV lifers in the state of Florida dying of COVID and a conflicting guide on how I should dis- I should <laughs> describe one who lives in Missouri. I had a hard time figuring out what the residents of the show me state are called. I butchered a couple takes on it. And that's that. Also, we are joined by Matt Shapiro. He is AKA political math. He's going to talk to us about data science comparisons to the 1918 Spanish flu, vaccines, media, and how we can reasonably, just as reasonable people, discuss the origins of COVID-19. I think it's a great conversation. 
Bird We are back. The right of spring, a madness that can only occur with a legally distinct pause in March. We are in round two of our uh, greatest constitutional amendments bracket. And that means that I am joined by the the inspiration and co-creator of the greatest constitutional amendments bracket, Brian Brushwood. Welcome back. Yo, hey, uh, are, are, are we voting for our favorite, the most important, the best? I, I suppose, is there any kind of like factual way or are we just voting with our hearts? Brian, it's the greatest constitutional amendment. What does greatness okay. mean to you? Uh, I, um, that's that's a uh, that's a good question. I suppose I I need to uh, do some self examination. You should. I'll tell you what's not do great. Some watercolor is... painting about it. Do some poetry about it. Think if you dive into your own soul, have maybe a medicine walk or whatever. One of those things where you take peyote in the desert and and maybe then you'll know what what the greatest means. And when you do, you'll know how to vote. Uh, yeah, uh, or I could just put on a powdered wig and wear platform shoes to look a little bit taller. That that and you know maybe maybe have some wooden dentures. Uh, oh, for George Washington, he would be yeah the yeah no, just be more like George just Washington. Be more like George. Said it like that. Be more like, like George. But but I like I like the idea that you just heard from your point of view. You just heard me have a, have a meltdown. <laughs> like, Why well, okay, I don't know. That sounds, really that sounds like but the end of somebody coming back from a walk in the desert with a bunch of drugs. You know, the next time you see them, they're just in a powdered wig and platform shoes and wooden dentures. You know, it took us a little bit, but I feel like we're in the right headspace to process the news. Uh, who who won, man? All right. how, how did how's everyone doing? Let's go through the results from round one. Uh, Congress's ability to tax how they want versus the ability to uh, for the people to directly elect senators. That was a win for uh, the senators, uh, the, or sorry, the, the right to uh, elect direct senators. People's rights versus uh, the 25th Amendment, which is the ability to have the cabinet decide that the president isn't the president anymore. That was won by the people's rights. Cruel and unusual. And that was specifically the one that said, basically, if we didn't mention it, then it goes to you, people. Exactly. Yeah. If, if it's not in there specifically, all rights default to the people. Uh, eight versus 26. Cruel and unusual punishment versus anybody over the age of 18 can vote. Uh, and there can be no, be no law made on top of that. Cruel and unusual punishment wins. Uh, this And here's here's where we got to the big ones. This is where we got to the 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 parts of our our contest that are not only a little bit uh controversial, right? But are are super super tight, you know? These are these are are, are big ones and we're going to see a couple more of them in this round here. It was our 13th versus 21st amendment. 13th amendment was the abolishment of slavery versus except versus the 21st amendment, which gave the citizens back the right to drink. 
I, I, uh, for theatrics, I of course wanted Amendment Twenty One to last longer, but I have to assume it was a blowout for for ending slavery. It was eighty two percent versus eighteen percent uh, for the Thirteenth Amendment, so they advance. Uh, presidential tickets being both from the same party as opposed to the runner up being the vice president versus term limits. This one was actually a little bit closer than uh, uh, you, you might have thought. Let me find. Let me find that there. I, and that one that one sounds like I, I would just assume term term limits would win. Oh, you want to know, know what? You want to know what? Yeah, it was not close. It was 76 percent, 24 percent. President can only serve two terms. Although colloquially, I heard more people saying you want like, did we actually make a mistake on that presidential tickets thing? I feel like people were people were, were, were a little bit more, at least in my world, a little wistful for the idea that maybe. Maybe that could have happened. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't a great idea that that uh, presidential tickets both came from the same party. That's that's certainly what 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 my heart says. But of course, my heart says a lot of silly ideas that probably, in practical terms, would be awful and should not be done. So, uh, my heart does wish for an adversarial. I mean, you know, like imagine every presidency is the odd couple. You know, one of them's messy, the other one's fastidious and it's like oh you how are we ever going to work together to solve this problem all right here's another sticky one the right to vote regardless of skin color 15th amendment versus the 19th amendment the right to vote for women uh, please, uh, please tell me this was at least close yeah, one particularly 70 percent really? for the right to vote regardless of skin color 30 percent for the right to vote for women uh moving through some of the other ones uh states right so basically each state is its own sovereign place where they can make their own laws that advanced over the ban on poll taxes uh the seventh amendment the right to a jury trial advances over the delays in congress's salary laws <laughs> Uh, the uh, definition is and specifically the, the jury trial one was significant because that was, uh, for civil disputes. You can, you can get a jury, yeah. like basically yeah. there'll be a jury for hire. Uh, the 14th amendment versus the 20th amendment, uh, 14th defining citizenship post civil war. And the 20th was a term change schedule. So, uh, now things would go starting in January as opposed to starting in March. Uh, uh, the definition of citizenship advances. And finally, our last matchup, sovereign immunity versus D.C. electors. Uh, Remind me of what uh, sovereign immunity was. Sovereign immunity, the 11th Amendment, is the judicial power of the United States shall not be constructed to extend to any suit or law equity uh, commenced or prosecuted against one in, of the United States citizen by another state or by citizens of subjects of any foreign state. Oh yeah. That, that was, uh, that was, uh, all y'all states can't be fighting all the time. Is that, yes. is that what it boils down to? Uh, basically. And that advances over the fact that people in DC have electors. So those are the results of round one. And you might think that these, uh, these, these, Amendments that won are now on easy street, but they're not, Brian, because no. in this 26-team bracket format, 
our top six amendments got buys to the second round. So now they are just entering the fray. And and dare I say it, these are, you know, this this is the Beatles of amendments, right? Like, like yeah, this no, is, this is this is you start hearing the uh, the Bulls pregame music playing. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, here they come. And let's go ahead and get started with that. The First Amendment, free expression, freedom of assembly, freedom of petition, freedom of religion, freedom of religion matches up against the 17th Amendment, the ability to directly elect senators. I don't know. Real tough call on this one, Justin. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that God and the people are going to defeat Something about electing a senator. I just want to point out to people that contemporary to our conversation in the year of our Lord 2021, there is a ongoing brouhaha in the United Kingdom where a government agency is reviewing the coverage of free British press about how they're handling the American interview of ex-royalty. It's a current thing that's happening right now. So if you wonder what the value of the First Amendment is, that's what's happening. Not in some place you never heard of. Not in China. Not, not hypothetically. Not like, hypothetically. Like the, a, a, a democratic government, uh, a, com- uh, wait, a, a commonwealth, is that what it is? Uh, uh, whatever. It's like this is some real boots on the ground stuff. It's happening now, as in now, now. All right. So there we go. Freedom of expression versus the ability to directly elect senators. Uh, the Ninth Amendment, any rights that are in the Constitution or not in, uh, not spelled out in the Constitution, default to the people, that goes up against the 26th Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. So this is actually two matchups that both had uh, uh, both oh, wait, amendments wait, that had it, first round. I, th- I thought the 26th was 18 and over. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, the Eighth Amendment. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Ninth Amendment but, uh, versus so, the so Eighth Amendment. This is this is interesting because we've got a little, a, little, little, little sibling rivalry here. Yeah, they, they were they're, yeah. they're right next to each other in the Constitution. Well, one one is one is an item that we are afraid of, and we specifically don't we we want it written in the Constitution that you ain't gonna hurt us in weird ways. Yep. Uh, the other one is a positively stated. Uh, if we didn't mention it, you have that right. Uh, it's 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 a freedom. It's an aspirational thing. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll be really curious which one wins. You gotta you gotta lean. You gotta lean. I I I know that fear is a stronger motivator than hope. So I fear that um, that cruel and unusual is going to be what people go with. But I also don't know how good we've been with that whole cruel and unusual because I think it's pretty cruel and unusual. For example, just my opinion to a a friend of mine once said, Brian, on the great list of things I want my country to be able to do to me, kill me is not on that list. (laughs) So you can make the argument that we're not so good at following that amendment as is. Uh, It's I'm I'm hopeful. I, I, I know I will be voting for uh, if it ain't on the document, it's your right. There are two big matchups in uh, in this round, and this is the first one. The Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Versus the Thirteenth Amendment. 
the abolishment of slavery. Yeah, that's a that's a that's 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 a heavy one. Um, I I I I I don't know how this one's going to go. Um, uh, slavery, uh, anti-slavery has all the momentum, and nobody's going to. Uh, I, I I suppose the discussion on Twitter that's going to have to happen is is okay. Uh, uh, is voting against uh, is voting against anything up against the Thirteenth Amendment a vote for slavery? Or is uh, is is was the Thirteenth Amendment a correction of a a, a horrific mis- misstep uh, in American history? Um, well, uh, and the then and then and then your they- your point is, and I think that this is an interesting matchup because of it, that the Thirteenth Amendment is abolishment of slavery, except right. Yeah. And uh, except except if you break a law and by the way we get to make all the laws so technically uh if we're the state nothing has changed. And also search and seizure was a a a a theoretical I mean not a theoretical an amendment protecting freedom about undue authority coming in and and putting you in jail for uh, or or taking your property for any for any different reason. So uh, an interesting matchup, the first of two big, big, big matchups in this round. Uh, this one is not. Uh, term limits for the presidency, that is the 22nd Amendment versus the Fifth Amendment, double jeopardy. And double jeopardy is once, uh, they can't just keep on trying you again and again and again for the same crime, right? Once once you're, you're the trial's over, the trial's over. Especially if you're not Ashley Judd. Uh, movie, uh, unless you're out called, on that golf course trying, to, trying to find the real killers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, double jeopardy versus uh, the FDR rule. Uh, uh, two and you're out. Two and out. Yeah, uh, I, I, I feel like double jeopardy has a strong case. Yeah, because, again, these are kind of foundational ideas to, like, law. What is our law? Like, how how powerful is our law? And double jeopardy is one of those things where it's like, now nah, you want to know what? You get one shot at it, and if, if you can't prove it, then sorry, Charlie. That's 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 where we want to set up our our rules for the admins. Well, and and also the the term limits thing really just put into law. It, it basically wrote down something that culturally had already been been practice, you know, starting with um, uh, George Washington doing two terms and saying, nope, I'm done. And anything more would just be, you know, uh, tacky, too much yeah. like a king. And then along came FDR. He's like, yeah, don't mind if I do. I'll go for I'll go for four terms. Why not? Yeah. And then and it's like, like, OK, somebody get 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 the, 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 the hook and pull him off stage. This is the other big one, Brian. The Second oh, Amendment, my goodness. the right to bear yeah. arms versus the 15th Amendment, the vote, the guarantee to vote, regardless of skin color. Second verse 15th. So so this is this is part where I assume either you or me are obligated to talk, but neither of us want to. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, uh, because obviously look, nothing 
few issues in the world of American politics is animated like the conversation over the Second Amendment, right? Yeah. That being said, the idea of securing the franchise for the uh, people of color is also something that people have gone out into the streets as recently as a few months ago to 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 protest for and 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 what has been a gigantic front and center conversation so it's going to be interesting to see uh, 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 not not that it needs to i don't know uh, i probably worth at least noting uh we've not been great about uh enforcing the uh, uh enfranchisement of of people of color like a lot a lot of sneaky uh, 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 taxes and laws and 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 weird trick roo questions and stuff. So I I don't know that I it's it's hard for me to. Oh, so if you if you're gonna say effectiveness, effectiveness that 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 although that you right, know right. is the greatest constitutional amendment going to be one that has been so easy for so many awful people to subvert for so long. Like, does that are with the straight face the greatest amendment? And, and your argument is that like guns or don't like guns, you can't argue the fact that if you're an American, you can go buy a gun. Like, correct. And, and, and that correct. and that is that is enshrined there, and that's what it means. All right. Correct. Uh, the tenth amendment. Tenth amendment versus the seventh amendment. Uh, states' rights versus the right to a jury trial. Um, man, uh, the, 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 the right to a jury trial, uh, again, got to keep on reemphasizing that's for civil disputes. Um, oh, oh and, uh, and, by, and by the way, let me, let me point out when I say states rights, it's not the same as sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity is the fact that each state can be its own thing. Uh, states rights is basically the mirror image of the ninth amendment where, which is. If it's not on this document, it reverts to the people. This is the one that says if it's not in this document, then, then no, the only the, things that we can do are. that the state can do is on this document. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like states rights has the advantage on this one over a jury trial. At some point, the ninth and the tenth can't stay in for the entire time. Right. Because they're they're they're, they're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, here we go. If 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 the <laughs> if the top six amendments are the Beatles, this is definitely the Ringo. The Third <laughs> Amendment, uh, uh, the ability for you to uh, not have sort of soldiers quartered at your house, <laughs> versus the Fourteenth Amendment, which defines citizenship. Uh, after the Civil War, I feel like both of these are artifacts of their time uh, in a way that especially in reviewing all this, a lot of these old ass amendments. Again, like we we brought up the First Amendment. That's some stuff that's happening right now as relevant in 2021 as as it was the moment that they put ink to paper. Uh, both like, all right, how do we remerge America back together? And quartering soldiers feels very much artifacts of their time. Well, I, uh, number one, defining citizenship, that was, you are correct. That was a procedural stitching back together of a broken country that was torn asunder and, and being brought back together. So that does not feel very relevant. However, I would counter with when it comes to quartering soldiers, 
apparently we are so good at that amendment that it's hard for us to even conceive of a bunch of soldiers just marching into our house and setting up shop. Uh, so in that regard, we apparently are very good at enforcing that rule and, uh, to the point where it sounds insane that they even needed to make it. And also like, well, like, but, uh, but, if it, but all, I mean, it, are we though? <laughs> like when, when you think about it and let's take a, let's take a little, uh, a, a left turn into, um, a, a libertarianville is, is, uh, uh, you know, what, what is eminent domain, but for quartering soldiers persisting? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I don't love eminent domain. Um, I, I'm actually having to go through having some of my uh, domain eminented, <laughs> and and it's oh yeah no you uh, you have you have a small scale thing because they're widening a road up by HQ right. Yeah, and they haven't gotten around to telling me how much they're just going to decide to give me. And meanwhile, they're, they're just going to carve uh, – uh, well, it will no longer be the seven-acre schwood. It will be slightly less than seven acres. Be six, yeah, we'll just, we're just taking it. It'll be the 6.7-acre the, the yeah. schwood. You, you know what? Now you're getting me all fired up. I'm going to say Amendment 3 is my favorite amendment, and, and they need to give me back my property. Have Have we – has anybody? I, I I just thought of it in talking about it. I'm sure people have brought up the you know a uh, uh, relationship between the Third Amendment and eminent domain, but but I had never heard of it before until I thought of it right now. Um, yeah, I haven't. I I hadn't either. Um, uh, boy, certainly. I mean, I could see the parallels uh, on it, but it's also very clear when it says you know it's talking about quartering soldiers. But I suppose depending on how hazy, how much you want to squint, uh, uh yeah, it is uh, that is a form they're describing a form of eminent domain all right and here's our final matchup 11th amendment this is the ability for states to create their own laws and have their laws be sovereign toward each other so that's why you know something is you're you're sued in a state you have state charges unless you cross state lines then it's federal charges blah 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 versus the sixth amendment the right to a speedy trial by by your peers. This is the real jury one. Every time we've said jury before, I keep always pointing out uh, for several trials. For several trials, this is the real one. This is you have the right to be tried by a jury of your peers. This is the important one, and I think speedy trial is going to crush it. Over over states being uh, uh, their own their own thing because that that does create a very unique patchwork. Uh, uh, that that is that is uh, a very very interesting. It, it does make America America. I think I think um, I think part of the reason the first six got there by is because they're so personal, and because we could picture ourselves like, what if I didn't have that guarantee? How would I feel? Yeah, uh, sovereign immunity um, is is uh, it's a bit too Spock like of an idea. Like I, I could picture what if there was no right to a speedy trial by a jury of my peers and I get real afa afraid real fast. Yeah, I do want to I'm, I'm standing up for sovereign immunity just because if, if uh, you know, the first time that I get busted smoking weed after moving to Texas, I just want to be sovereign immunity and I'll just flash my California <laughs> ID. Uh, all right, there we go. So let's let's run over the matchups one more time. First Amendment versus 17th Amendment. That is the right to free expression versus the right to directly ele elect your senators. 
the Ninth Amendment versus the Eighth Amendment, that is uh, that the rights of the people are anything that's not in the Constitution or anything not listed specifically defaults to the people versus the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. The Fourth Amendment versus the Thirteenth Amendment. The fourth is search and seizure. The thirteenth is the abolishment of slavery. The Twenty-second Amendment, uh, uh, term limits versus the Fifth Amendment, double jeopardy. This is the big one, the big kahuna here. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms versus the 15th Amendment, guaranteeing the right to any uh, uh, citizen regardless of skin color. The uh, 10th Amendment is that the state's rights are only that that is in the Constitution, going up against the right to a civil jury trial. Uh, the third amendment, uh, the, the right to, for the, the state to never quarter soldiers in your home versus the 14th amendment, which defines citizenship after the civil war. And finally, sovereign immunities. That is a state's ability to do what they want versus the sixth amendment, the right to a speedy trial. Man, what do you think? What do you think is going to be the closest? What do you think is going to be the closest? Uh, I think, uh, sovereign immunity and speedy trial, I, I, I feel like those are things that are heady enough that, that people won't have an immediate reaction to. Um, I think the the easy winners are going to be the ones where, where, where they feel the most pers personal. So the more heady they get, boy, I don't know, man, nah, I, 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 that's a big battle. Like, uh, uh, second amendment versus 15. Who boy. This will be decided on Twitter. PX3 tweets, and uh, as you guys saw last week, Brian and I are are talking about these with anybody who wants to talk about them. So head on over there and, and comment down below on all of the uh, uh, the polls, and uh, uh, there's going to be a, a back and forth. And last week, I was actually proud of the audience. I was really proud of the audience. Uh, it, it, things were were uh, uh, almost even too deferential. Like, you know, there's some people who are like, like, I, not today, Satan, on voting on some of the hard ones. But like, I, I feel like nobody was out there just trying to, to muck stuff up. So I was very happy about that. Uh, every week, somebody gives us something new that I learn uh, is a good week. And, and I'm feeling like so far uh, the audience is delivering. Brian at Schwood is where uh, we can uh, find you. All right. Happy voting. They ask me, did I go deep in my bag? And I tell them, I showed it. You can always write into our mailbag, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Mike begins. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the PRO Act that just passed the House. You and Tom Merritt did a special on this issue about California applying the ABC rules to freelancers. And it sounds like the PRO Act would apply this to the whole country. I'm all for helping union workers, Uber drivers, and gig workers, but this seems like it, if it ever passed the Senate, the ABC rules would literally put me out of business as an independent contractor. And I want to be an independent contractor. I do not want to be an employee of a company. You understand it better than me, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. 
so yeah, uh, listeners to this feed got the same special crossover episode that we did with Tom Merritt that also ran in the Daily Tech News Show feed, and it was all about Prop 22, which was a proposition put on the ballot in California that would essentially uh, 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 exempt gig work drivers from a law called AB5, Assembly Bill 5, that restricted independent contractors. I mean, AB5 was specifically put in there to curtail Uber and Lyft and DoorDash from having essentially a permanent workforce of independent contractors. It was initially overdrawn. It was amended within an inch of its life, except in the case of these gig work drivers. And then Prop 22 basically forced an exemption for the gig work drivers. The PRO Act also applies the same standard that AB5 had, but nationally. Uh, I will say being an independent contractor is something that I hold (laughs) dear and core to my existence. I have been an independent contractor for a large portion of my life, and even when I took a job... With the W-2, I I always kind of looked at that as a side gig. It was just another thing that I did. Um, So I'm I'm not a fan. I've... I, I All right, here. Here's my promise. I owe it to you guys that I will be smarter about this and I will come back next week with a, a better look at exactly what the PRO Act is and whether or not we need to be for or against or worried about it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what you should do. I'll tell you where where I'm at. Dr. Whiskey says, I understand your point about Logan Paul, his popularity, and the numbers needed to elect him. However, I got a few points here that I think you should consider before really throwing your money behind a bet that he wins or even runs. Point one, his subscriber numbers. This represents a worldwide count, not California. Just because somebody is popular around the globe does not mean they are popular in their voting area. Living in the Nashville area, I'll use country music as an example. The band Florida Georgia Line is hugely popular in country music, which is which the capital is considered to be Nashville, Tennessee. But if you ask 100 people that live here what their thoughts on Florida Georgia Line, I guarantee 99 of them will despise them because they are quote unquote pop country. Point two. Who will turn out and vote yes on the question of recalling the governor? I have to believe that those people would not be the same people who would vote for an influencer like Logan Paul. The roughly 2 million signatures probably have a strong opinion against Democrats. And I think that some of those same people could not look at the ballot and select a kid like Logan Paul who makes tasteless videos in a suicide forest for a living. I see your analysis on his YouTube fan base as being working class people is probably wrong. I don't have numbers to back that up. I just feel like it's wrong. Even though I think your take on Logan Paul should land you in the front of the parade of wrong opinions, 
I still love the podcast and I'm enjoying the new newsletter format. Shout out to all the folks in the Discord and the live stream chats. Oh, Dr. Whiskey. How brave. How brave is our dear doctor, huh? PX3 faithful that he has the stones to attack a man who makes a long shot one percentage point likelihood of happening opinion. Oh, how brave. Well, guess what, Dr. Whiskey? Yes, your points are correct. Well, one of your points is correct. Uh, uh, look, 22 million people globally is not uh, necessarily anywhere close to four, five, 10 million in California. I will say that regionally, and he has been a LA-based entertainer for a long time, that there is an element of regionality that comes with any kind of performer that is as famous as he was. He did get thousands of people into the Staples Center after all. So there is an element of California fame that he has. Is it enough to necessarily get to 4 million that he'd be able to win based on his own fan base? No, but I never said he needed to. The second point is also in, or is incorrect. So number one, I, I'm, I'm attacking both your points. The second point is incorrect in that he, he would have to run a campaign. I'm not saying that he would just go out there and say like, LOL, I'm Logan Paul, I'm running for governor, and that would be that. He would have to have points. But I think he's actually specifically since the suicide forest thing, I've colloquially seen more uh, uh, videos and clips of Logan Paul being self-reflective, being somebody who is trying to learn. I think he likely leans left, which means he's a, a, a more of a danger to Gavin Newsom. I think that if he wanted to, he could run on a very compelling platform. I mean, all right, so look, and I'm going to get into some fan fiction here, but just to prove my point, and again, this is a long shot. I don't even know if he wants to do it. I'm just saying he could. Logan Paul comes out and does a YouTube announcement on his channel. And he says, guys, I know I've talked to you about moving to Puerto Rico. I've talked to you about my frustrations during COVID. I know that you guys uh, have felt a lot of the same thing because I read your comments. I get your emails. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about an email I got from a kid. And a kid told me, let's say his name is Jason. Jason told me he had a best friend. And they loved watching my channel. And they were, you know, both they both worked at a Burger King. And then COVID happened. And their parents wanted to keep them apart. One of their parents lost their job. Things got rough at home. There was some violence. And Jason's friend got really depressed. And one day, Jason's friend took his own life. 
That's the kind of stuff that I hear all the time from people who enjoy this channel but want to reach out to me because the stuff I do, the silliness that I do, makes them feel better. Here's the problem. I've gotten a lot more of those emails from people in California over the last few weeks, over the last few months, over the last year. And you want to know why? Want to know why they've come from California and they haven't come from Florida and they haven't come from Arizona and they haven't come from other places is because we've got a governor who's too afraid of the Twitter crowd than he is of the lives of the people that live in his state, the children that live in his state. They watch me. I didn't want to walk into this fight. I was drawn into this fight. So you want to know what? I am running for governor. I'm running for governor in this recall because Gavin Newsom can't, can't be allowed to continue and pretend like he did a good job. I don't think he's an awful person. I don't think he's an evil person. But when you screw up that bad, you need to get fired. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm Logan Paul. Buy my shirt. Like and subscribe. You're telling me if he did that, if he did that, that that wouldn't be something that he could run on? If he is now not Logan Paul the ding dong, if he's Logan Paul the guy who's an entertainer like anybody else, who, yeah, has probably made some mistakes. By the way, remember that Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he ran for governor, when he was asked like, oh, uh, uh, remember those that, that documentary, Pumping Iron, where he was talking about doing drugs? Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, yeah, I did all of them. All the drugs. Any drug you think somebody might have done, I've done all of them. And that was his answer. He had image rehabilitation to do at that point too. The question is, can you run on an issue? And I happen to believe, whether or not uh, Logan Paul wants to do it, he has a catbird seat on the most visceral issue. And that is, these kids and employment. And he's got a unique window into it. And push comes to shove. And I've only seen a, a, a glancing element of Logan Paul stuff. He reads as authentic as any politician. He reads more authentic than any politician. So that's my thought. That's a long shot. It's a long shot. The other half of Whiskey Wednesday writes, love the show. Had to ride in with one more data point to the statistical significance of out-of-state Florida voters. See, according to the RV Industry Association, there are about a million Americans living full-time in RVs. As someone who's about to go full van life, I can appreciate the numerous services that cater to this crowd, specifically with regards to the issue of a permanent domicile. Escapees, one of the more popular services, having been around for over 40 years, can set you up if you physically lived in Texas, South Dakota, or Florida with what, well, sorry, with mail services, vehicle and voter registration, and all that jazz. Of the three, Florida is the most favorable, having no state income tax and an affordable care credit comp and comparable health insurance program. 
The allure of Texas is homeschoolers who have no standardized testing and mandating curriculum so you can teach the kiddies that Jesus wiped out the dinosaurs with God lasers. Otherwise, I can't imagine why anyone would call Texas home. All right. Just thought I'd share this revelation as even if only one third of the full-time RVers were Floridian, that's over 300,000 peeps. Anyway, if you need me, I'll be driving to the Everglades. Sorry for party rocking. Well, safe travels the other half of Whiskey Wednesday. I, I, I'm excited that you are heading to the greatest state of the union. Ben writes, last Friday's episode was great. Your discussion with Rachel Greenspan on QAnon was fantastic. I wanted to confirm that on my Facebook feed, friends left, right, and center leaning posted the Wayfair conspiracy as if it was fact. When I posted asking why people believe it and Pizzagate, an acquaintance commented with the following, quote, because it's true, just watch. Next eight weeks is going to be effing apocalyptic. All other S is just a smokescreen. Wait till we see all these bastards executed. Long time coming. You'll see then, Ben. Actually, you want to know what? Somebody, uh, somebody emailed me. Where is it? A Patreon post or whatever. And, and said that it's been too long since I've done the Dan Carlin quote voice. I just read a quote. I'll read it again in the Dan Carlin quote voice. Because it's true. Just watch. In the next eight weeks, it's going to be effing apocalyptic. All other S is just a smokescreen. Wait till we see all these bastards executed. Long time coming. You'll see then, Ben. End quote. So there we go. For the guy who complained that there wasn't enough Dan Carlin quote voice. Between further conspiracy posts and videos that use our favorite source, Alex Jones's evidence, he really believed that human trafficking and the safety of our children are widely easy to piggyback on. And you are right that this is not new. Lastly, love the direction that the show has gone. The interviews and the growing network of awesome po political podcasts are fantastic to see. Thank you for everything, especially throughout the pandemic. Well, thank you, Ben. I am... Uh, I honestly don't know what to make of the conspiracy thing. Because when I went back and did research for Raise the Dead, and I'm reading about the John Birch Society... Part of me is like, I mean, look, man, old boss, same as the new boss. Now it's Q. It used to be John Birch Society. I, I can't imagine what the John Birch Society's footprint would be if they had Facebook. Literally, just turn on Facebook in 1963 and, and tell me that the footprint doesn't look similar. Now, I'm not saying that the John Birch Society wasn't harmful. I'm saying that it existed and society didn't fall apart. Payne writes, another person to watch for for that Missouri Senate seat is Ann Wagner, St. Louis suburban representative. She's more of a ye old GOP as opposed to the yee-haw like Holly. Allegedly, she was planning to run when Holly was elected, but former Senator Danforth backed Holly, which he has publicly come to regret. Also, the way you say the name of somebody who lives in Missouri is a Missourian, not a Missourian. All right? So I got 
a, a, a text message from one Tom Merritt, native son of Missouri, who told me that it was the following. Missourns, Missourns is what they call them in Kansas City and Missourians in St. Louis. So he maintains that there is a regional split. It's Missourians in KC and Missourians in St. Louis. And I'm here to say, don't email me anymore about this. I genuinely don't care. You can show me the door on this argument about how to say the, the name of people from the show me state. Matt, in the angry email voice, writes, As somebody who has thus far stayed out of the steaming cesspool that is Twitter, I am absolutely appalled that you would choose to disenfranchise people like myself in your constitutional amendment march. Legally required pause. Madness bracket! By doing so, you are not only doing us a disservice, you are skewing your poll sample toward media-obsessed, extremely online people and away from the more sensible segment of the population that recognizes there is no good to be had in diving into that morass. The only reasonable thing to do is for you to provide alternative options for voting and debate in order to ensure the integrity of your process and ensure that normal, everyday Americans have confidence in the result. Uh, Matt, no. Uh, it's on Twitter, dude. I'm sorry. I'm not doing another thing and then adding the stuff. If you put it on Twitter, it all adds up. It's a promo for my Twitter Sorry, I don't want to get too inside here, but the reason why I'm doing this is so I can have easy content on Fridays while I move and to drive attention to my Twitter. It's pretty much it. So make a burner account, Matt. I'm sorry. And finally, Eric writes, I'm a longtime listener and I've considered writing in multiple times, but this time I decided I should. Last week's guest, talking about QAnon, said multiple times that human human trafficking, specifically child trafficking, wasn't real and Republicans only focus on it because of Q. Editorial note here. I just want to defend my guest, Rachel Greenspan of Insider. While colloquially it might have sounded like that to some people, my sense of the conversation, having re-listened to it, is not that... Republicans only focus on it because of Q or that uh, uh, they are they are they are pushing it like that. I, I, I think that she was just saying that that particular cause was amplified. That hashtag that save our children hashtag uh, was promoted by those influence influencers. All right. Where we're going to continue with Eric's uh, email. This could not be further from the truth. I've been an active member of the anti-human trafficking group called Operation Underground Railroad since 2013. I first learned of the group from the infamous Glenn Beck. Human trafficking has uh, been a concern of the Republicans and many others like Ashton Kutcher for a decade. And to say that a conspiracy is wrong when over 40 million people are victims of trafficking a year 
the most popular destination is the United States. Thank you. I'm a college student. You said you'd read any email from a college student. Eric, I have kept my word. Human trafficking is a problem. And that is something that I, 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 will, I will say on the record. The question then becomes, and that was the point that I was, um, rather, oh, I think it was in the newsletter that I made this point, that I don't think that QAnon or Q influencers are driving some of these stories, especially if you look at what things that they glommed onto more, most recently, human trafficking and Democrats not being fair with an election, right? Both of those things have roots far beyond the modern, in, the modern age. So I view that personally as somebody who was aware that people were care, cared about human trafficking before this and know that since at the very least 1960, there was a national moment for Republicans believing they were jobbed out by Democrats, that these are popular issues that these influencers are glomming onto. You know, it's it's basically like a, a, a dark version of opening Pokemon cards or doing the ice bucket challenge. It's content. You can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You know, the clocks are going to spring ahead on Sunday, a cursed moment on our calendar when we are robbed of an hour of sleep. But it does mean that the sun's getting higher, does mean that the weather's getting warmer, does mean that summer is on the way. How about you support this show by buying yourself a politics, politics, politics tank top. Sun's out, guns out, baby. It's time. It's time. COVID's, uh, COVID's hopefully right on the corner. We certainly know enough to know that you can go outside. We certainly know enough that you can go to the beach. We know that you can you can uh, uh, do so in a tank top. So you should do. Head on over to politicsmerch.com. Politicsmerch.com. Dot com on all of our designs. That is the Politics, Politics, Politics logo. That our, our, our album art. Raise the Dead album art for season one and two. A Don't Blame Me, I Voted for Gloria tank top. How about an All Powers Future Power tank top? I don't know over there right now. Politicsmerch.com Our guest today, for my money, is one of the best citizen data science writers on the web. Find his writing at polymath.substack.com. That is P-O-L-I-M-A-T-H dot substack dot com. Matt Shapiro, welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, glad uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. 
Dude, uh, uh, I think people loved you the last time and they're going to really love you this time because this time I actually came to you with something that I have really wanted to have a conversation about for a while. Mm -hmm. And that is COVID comps, the, you know, how we are supposed to contextualize the, the large scale COVID of it all beyond whether or not we're handling it right beyond oh, who's sure. at fault. But literally, if we just ran this in a lab, is this better or worse than other things? And and so let me start with the things that bother me, and then we'll get into the thing that I really want to talk about, because I want to see if I'm just being cranky and irrational or if they also bother you. Mm-hmm. Whenever we talk about COVID in terms of war deaths, that more people have died of COVID than World War One or World War Two. Is there any value from your perspective as somebody who's been studying this kind of data, or is that just an easy handle for people to grab because people remember things like wars, and and this is a harder thing to gauge? Right, right. Uh, I think with the U.S. and casualties, it's very, it's a little more different. A little more different. That's a weird formulation. With with the U.S. and casualties, is different, right? Yeah, we have. Um, we have war casualties. War casualties are almost always men, young men, right? Yeah. And so that tends to be a pretty devastating thing when you've got a whole bunch. If you lose 50,000 men between the ages of 20 and 35, that is like a massive blow to to your culture because they were young. Um, that you know, those, those are men that the women can't marry. Like that, that's that's a really stark thing uh in inside of a culture it's almost better to look at it from the perspective of like what of, of a country that's maybe being invaded. Right. So like okay. what happened in Germany was very different during world war two than what happened is very different than what happened in the United States because we didn't have our homes bombed. Right. Yes. Like we yeah. didn't deal with starvation. We didn't believe. And, and I'm, this is not to say, Oh, the poor Germans, of course not. But, but like just from a scale of things, there's, there's like actual, there's casualties of war, the soldiers, and then there's what happened to the population. Right. And that's, I think why it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison to use war casualties, especially U S war casualties where we haven't had a war inside our country since like the civil war. I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. So that that's, um, that's why I really, I kind of, stay away from trying to use those those comparisons because um because they're they're so different both in ages violent deaths are different than 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 sickness deaths is just it's just very very different um i would i would i'm much more likely to compare it to something like the 1918 spanish flu the, yeah the flu we're gonna get to in a second but you actually had a very very good point there that if there is something that is closer to it it is the idea of civilian deaths in a war zone like in in a place where people are going to die and businesses are going to get wrecked and and stuff like that i guess that might be at least of some use but i guess it it mostly just frustrates me to say like oh well more people have died from this than world war one and world war two or something and it's like like uh, it's it's just because they're both numbers doesn't mean that they mean the same thing, nor does it necessarily make us smarter to stitch it together for anything beyond like a nakedly political comparison where you're just trying to, you know, hurt a a, a, a person at, or something. At, at the risk of sounding callous, and I really don't want to, um, 
so I, I lost my, my great grandmother to COVID. She was 98, 99. She was real close to a hundred. Um, she had a massive stroke Yeah, and she went to the hospital and she caught COVID in the hospital. And then she died a few days later. Um, I'm not, I am not the sort of person who's like, well, she didn't really die of COVID. No, 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 no. COVID is definitely the thing that killed her. Yeah. Um, but, but we knew she was on her way out. I mean, like, let's, let's not beat around the bush. She's 98 years old. She was not going to make it to 110. Every day right. was a gift. Every day was oh, a gift totally, at 98. Totally was. Yeah. Totally was. And it's not even remotely the emotional impact that my dad, my dad passed away when he was 61. Oh, and wow. That wrecked me. Um, and so like from a, from a, from a, like a larger scale national psychology sort of point of view, those like, if, if this was killed, if this had killed a bunch of people in their twenties and thirties, we'd be having a different conversation. Um, oh God. I, I totally agree with it. Look, if, if, <laughs> if, 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 if this, if this disease killed people 18 and, and under, there would have been armed guards at every block shooting people if they had walked out of their house. Oh, it would, it would be, it would, it would just be a different thing. It yeah. Would, which is not at all even remotely to say that these lives don't matter. No, 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 no. Yeah. This, this is, this is a bad thing. I think we could have done better. Yes. Um, but but from a social like from a, a large scale psychology thing, uh, that's that's why it's not as impactful as like a war. Okay, so let's talk about the 1918 Spanish flu because mm-hmm. it's something that, oddly enough, as as we as we come up on all these year anniversaries of the the beginning of the lockdowns and and all that. Uh, in fact, I'm actually realizing right now that at the point that this is going to air, this will be the first day that the Bay Area went into lockdown a year ago. The one thing that I still feel like we don't have much more of a handle on is the greatest comp to what we're going through that that we have ever had, and that is the Spanish flu. Not only did it affect Mm. our our thoughts on the lockdown because of because apparently George W. Bush read a book about it, and that put in the blueprint of of what lockdowns would be, uh, and and we saw them implemented now. But I don't feel like people have a greater sense of how bad this is compared to the Spanish flu, Mm. whether or not we are doing better or worse. Or, and here's what I would, I'll start this. Do you think on the whole, we are more vulnerable to a pandemic like the Spanish flu was or less vulnerable? Because I feel like you could tally up on either side Pluses and minuses, with pluses being medical advancements and and communication, and minuses being the fact that people travel a whole hell of a lot more than they did in 1918, and and that's going to be a, a huge problem in a pandemic. Right, right. I I really need to read up on the Spanish flu. I have a, I have a big tome of a book that I I need to get through. Um, I, but what I'm familiar with right now is a little bit of the numbers and then some of the medical advancement differences. Okay. that we have between. All right, now let's and get into that then. Okay, so the numbers from the numbers perspective, whatever the Spanish, first of all, um, let's go all the way back and say the Spanish flu, we have basically no idea what it was in terms of like the the actual genetic code of this thing. DNA was so, we barely even knew what DNA was back then. Gotcha. Um, We had identified it as a thing, but I'm not even sure we knew that it was like, it was what caused hereditary 
disease, gotcha. your hereditary traits, right? Um, we didn't we didn't identify the double helix till 40 years after that. Um, whereas what we have now, we, we have 500,000 encoded versions of COVID in yeah. a database. That's that's nuts. That's crazy, dog, and and super awesome. And so that means we can track COVID as as a you know its heritage, its genetic heritage, and where it came from, and how it's changed, and all this sort of stuff. There, we suspect that the Spanish flu did change from the first wave to the second wave, probably to the third wave, but we're not sure. Uh, because we we couldn't track any of those genetic changes, where it's, it's a lot of guesswork going on and trying to like pattern match what we see now versus what we saw then, um, and uh, the the so that the, there's there's that so we can't we can't do a one to one comparison, but we really do know how COVID is changing as it changes. Yeah, and we can we can track it and we can we can we can show a lot more caution with it. Um, our, our medical advancement, this vaccine is a medical miracle. Yeah. It is incredible. It's it's not only awesome that we put together a vaccine this quickly, but we've never put together a vaccine that is like this one before. Um, just, the, the, uh, this, this, this is mRNA, right? The, the, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. mRNA. Just the fact that we are not the va- the vaccine doesn't actually protect you from the part of the the virus that makes you sick it protects you from the spike protein that attacks your cell and so we basically don't even need to worry about the the virus that's inside of the of oh, that shell gotcha gotcha um that we're we're basically just protecting our cells from the spike protein that attack attaches to it um we've never done something like that before. And the, and the way that we do it where uh, the, the vaccine actually spurs your body into making fake spike proteins that look enough like the COVID spike protein and then protects it against that. Like that's a, that is not a vaccine style that we have ever implemented. And it has massive implications for future diseases, which we, I, we, probably shouldn't get into because I will totally like go off on a wild tangent on that. But, <laughs> but this, like that sort of medical advancement, we were nowhere close to that with the Spanish flu. And so um, I think COVID and, and this is a change of tune for me a year ago. I think COVID could easily have been the Spanish flu if not for the medical advancements that we have um, this thing, if without the vaccine, this thing could have gone in and out for another year or so. Um, which is is stunning and startling, and, and we're talking another half million deaths in the United States. Um, so yeah, uh, 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 I guess the, the figures that we know colloquially are that mm-hmm. six hundred seventy five thousand people died in the United States of the Spanish flu, and like you had mentioned before, this was a stretch of anywhere between you know two and four years by you know the the very very end of it. Yeah. Uh, right and now I, in in the United States we are over 500,000. Mm-hmm. So do we have a sense I mean hopefully we are getting to a tapering off. Hopefully the numbers that we are looking at with COVID a year in are close to what we understand to be the final numbers. Uh uh but but you think that even if we are to understand that 650,000 number to be accurate, which I I would mm-hmm. imagine another thing that yep. changes that we're we're keeping better records than we probably were in in, in nineteen eighteen. That that this could have been worse than that. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, I, it, well, it's, I'm not sure it could have been much worse than the Spanish flu. It's hard to say. I, like, the medical advancements, like, we, we have better we have better medicine. We do, um, uh, what is it, monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies treatments, uh-huh. um, which is not something that we had back then. Um, there's all sorts of great treatments that we had. So I think if, if you did a one-to-one and you said, okay, no vaccines, none of the treatments we have today, I think this probably would have compared to the Spanish flu. But let's look at the 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 negatives, the the downsides, <laughs> right? And that right. is to me transportation. The the mm-hmm. fact the fact that that we can get from town to town, uh, Ubers, Lyfts, scooters, uh, uh, and that's before we get into widespread car usage and and right. airplane travel, transcontinental travel on a level mm-hmm. that that is inconceivable in in 1918 and available to such a wide swath of of the right. population. That has to be something. That exacerbates a pandemic, right? It, it, it changes the speed with which things like variants get from one place to another, right? Okay. Um, for, for certain. I think the, the B.1.1.1.7, I think, is, is the one we're worried about right now. Um, yeah, that got which is that full, one? Is that, is that, is that the, the, the Brazilian one, the UK one, or the South I African one? I think it's one? South Africa. The South African I one? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's gotten to Florida. It's gotten to New York. Um, and it, it definitely does spread faster than, um, that, than the, the COVID that we were dealing with a year ago. Um, it, it does not, it is not vaccine resistant at all. Um, it is, there's, there's, it's, it's simply something that people are trying to keep an eye on. Yeah. Right. And something that people, people are worried about. I, I am not that worried about it, honestly. Um, I think our vaccine, our vaccine administration has been between between okay and pretty good, um, and we are get, starting to get into place with the vaccines. Where I I expect that if we have a bump up, it's going to be a bump in uh, in cases that does not have a corresponding bump in hospitalizations and deaths, because we have been doing for the most part we've been doing. Um, elderly down right yes and so so if even if there is another bump back up i suspect it's going to be among younger people who are going to be better at at, at handling it i mean they, they have been this whole time doesn't mean bad things don't happen but but it will it will be a a, a good move forward or i i expect the numbers to be more positive from a case to death ratio in terms of the variants which, which i think is something mm-hmm. that is i've I guess th- this is probably as good a time as any for us to kind of transition out of out of uh, understanding the Spanish flu to get into something else I wanted to talk to you sure. about, and that is the coverage of news because on on COVID, because the variant stuff I have found to be among the most frustrating elements of COVID coverage. I think that there's been shining examples of good <laughs> COVID coverage uh, uh, during this this situation where information is vital i think that there's been some very piss poor examples and mm. if if i'm only looking in my own echo chamber of people for whom have freaked out about these variants with the idea being 
we don't know if the vaccines help them, not because for anything else, not because we've proven that they might be or there's any indication, but just because I don't know if I can jump over the moon because I haven't tried hard enough. Like that's that has driven me up a wall, Matt. That that the and to, to be honest, this is the, probably the first time that I've been like this is the first time I've been really, really frustrated, not just with media coverage, but also with the CDC. Now, okay. not, not 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 literally the first time. CDC made some massive, yeah. massive errors last uh, a year ago, February and March. I, I, yeah, I, um, I, I would I, I would say them botching the COVID test uh, that that could have given us oh, a, about a month and a half head start on it. It's probably the first time that I got really annoyed at the CDC. I was I was livid. I'm still like when I go back and I read about what happened, I still get angry. I'm just like. Sorry, another digression on a digression. But, but did, did you read the Lawrence Wright uh, uh, article, the, the COVID year article? Uh, I don't think I did. I'll send it to you. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's a must read. It's, it's, he's one of my favorite nonfiction authors. And, and certainly I think there is there's an element of, 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 of politics kind of layered in there. But the stuff that he gets right is mm. as a writer, as a nonfiction writer, is he's great at writing about bureaucracy and the conversations mm. within large organizations oh, where like anything that goes right is a miracle and everything that goes <laughs> wrong is just because it's so big and in a crisis, big organizations are just not built for it. Right, uh, right. But but yeah, that that so, excruciating detail of, of of the CDC botching that <laughs> test for no reason. So yeah, so so I don't I don't want to get into being a CDC like bitch fest, but sure. like the so they they messed up some stuff early. They they kind of got their stuff together. They mostly did pretty okay work throughout the rest of 2020. But I have been at, like in response to the vaccines, I think they have completely they have really just shown that they don't know how to do communication yeah. with people, right? Like and and, and and that has been it has just been time after time where they're like, OK, well, we don't know if if you get vaccinated, we don't know. You could still carry this to other people. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like I, I sat down and kind of walked, my, especially with with regards to masks. They're like, sure. you still need to wear a mask because you could transmit this to other people. And I, I wrote a whole thing that was like, let's walk through how that would work. Yeah. And I, I did. And I walked through how it would work. And I'm like, look, if you are testing negative for COVID, you are not expelling the virus through your nasal passage, through, you know, through your respiratory passage. And that means wearing a mask doesn't help anything. Right. Um, and so if and the way we test to see whether yeah. or not the, the vaccine works is we test people. Yeah. And that and when, when you when you when you say when you it doesn't help anything let's let's draw a circle on that before I get an email that like what you mean is is biologically like like it it it, it does not help anything of course if you, there there if is, you, there, is a, there is a psychological element to mass for oh, which sure, is sure, sure, is, sure. A, is no, a larger no, if, issue if we're yeah. talking if we're talking about if we're talking about covid transmission yeah um you are not expelling covid particulate out of your respiratory system after after about two weeks after you've been vaccinated yeah right it's it's not happening and so did, but to then have the cdc come in and be like oh no you could be still transmitting and you have to wear a mask because you could be transmitting was just felt it's so it's such poor 
communication because people take that and the CDC looks at it and they're like, well, well, we're not saying that we're not saying that you are. We're saying we don't know that you aren't. And I'm like, from a communicative perspective, that's not how people are interpreting this. They're interpreting this as I got vaccinated, but I can still be carrying this thing. So nothing changes. Right. And and that's been the CDC just over and over again. It's like, well, we don't have definitive scientific proof of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, but 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 if you if you think about it. Yeah. And and if, and if you look at previous examples of this sort of thing, like it's it's and it's a sort of thing where it's like we we know how vaccines work. We know how pandemics work. We have studied pandemics and vaccines extensively in the past. It is reasonable to conclude that most likely XYZ is going to happen. But the CDC keeps coming out with these statements. It's like, well, we can't prove XYZ is happening. When, I, 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 when, think, <laughs> I, I think part of it is nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong right now. And even right. now, when it seems increasingly more uh, uh, along the lines that you can very easily be right, you can very easily. Right. They, 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 there's there's an element of this right now that it's like you should be out here saying we did it. We got right. to the vaccines. Finish strong. Let's yep. not be stupid at the end. Yep. Let's let's yep. make sure that we keep our head down and cross the goal line. But we sure. should be acknowledging that like the sacrifice was for the vaccine because and I wrote about this in my newsletter last week. The politicians are out of moves. There's a reason why even <laughs> Gavin Newsom is opening up Disneyland because right. there's no more patience for right. another lockdown year when you've already said, "Hey, look, vaccines are the thing." Now you can't sell another vaccine once you've had the vaccine. Like, like you right. got to start opening stuff up. And, and, and at the very least, what, what, no, no matter where you are on when that should happen, let's start with the idea of everybody should get the vaccine, even if we're we're not sure if these variants can can affect it. We know you should get one anyway. Let's let's lead there, and and not with the the, the possible negative thing that something bad could happen. I, I want to come across like people need encouragement. Yeah. Right. Um, they, they always have, but like now more than ever, numbers are coming down. Vaccines are going in arms. People need to hear that. Like, this is like good new Good stuff is happening because it is good stuff is happening. Yeah. If you, if you are a, if you have been vaccinated, I highly encourage you to find your friends who you have not seen or who have been nervous and be like, I would love to meet with you guys whenever yeah. you want. I, I have, I have, I have a friend. I made a new friend recently who is just recently vaccinated, man. He and I are going out and doing stuff as often as possible. I'm not vaccinated, but he is, he's safe. I can go and hang out with him whenever I want. Yeah. And, and that's my attitude with this is like, like uh, I, I, I am, I'm still waiting to get my vaccine. I'm really looking forward to it. But every person that I know who gets a vaccine, like, you know, we're going drinking. We're going to we're come over to my house and, and see a movie. Come inside. No masks for us. Like, that's my attitude because because it's over. It's over for them. Let's let's help people celebrate the fact that it's over for them. Right. We, and yeah, soon, we, it'll we, be, soon it'll be over for everybody. Yeah. But, but small victories like let's let's get these small victories as we move towards the final one. 
COVID shots mean body shots. That's that's the only that, that that's the only <laughs> thing that that I am just getting out to everybody is is like that's the inevitability of it. And and but, and, and, and by you want to know what whether or not something goes wrong, something might go wrong. But like the the fact is, we're on this trajectory. That was the final right. boss. Like right. unless in, the only person who gets away with tacking another third act on is Christopher Nolan. Beyond that, <laughs> once you get to the final boss, we're done. We're not tacking and, another hour onto this thing. It's it's funny that, that you would say uh, uh, COVID shots mean mean body shots is fantastic because I I have this plan. Uh, in the late summer, when I, I I'm, I'm gonna celebrate basically, hooray! This is over, everything's done yeah. with my family, and I am going to do this thing I've been wanting to do for a long time, which is get you can buy like a plastic gutter, like the kind you put on your yep. house. Yep, you can buy about ten foot of plastic gutter <laughs> for like for like twenty bucks. Yeah, right. I'm gonna get ten feet of plastic gutter, and I'm going to have a banana split gutter party. Perfect. Where you just like you just you get like multiple gallons of ice cream and you do a whole banana split and you just like tell people to dive in go along the go gutter. nuts go and nuts like, like this absolutely reckless stupid thing yeah but that's gonna be that's gonna that's part of the party it, it just, you, it, you just have to I mean it, it, right? there's there, there's an element of there's only so much you can pull the rubber band and and I think that that's why we're even seeing it in states that aren't necessarily. It's not Texas. It's not Florida. It's not Mississippi. It's not places where it's it's just you obviously have a political lean toward mm. performatively, you know, being uh, a, an anti-lockdown state, whether or not you agree or disagree with it. Uh, there's a reason why Connecticut's opening up because you have to. At, at a certain point, there's only so much that, that that the government even has control of it. I, I want I want to switch here because we only have a couple minutes left uh, to something that you talked about. On your uh, podcast, you're, re- I guess, restarting a podcast or starting a podcast. Where, where can people I, find it first? Okay, so uh, it's on SoundCloud. I can't even remember. It's maybe Matt Shapiro. No, I don't know where. We'll link to where, it. We'll link to I, it. People will be able to find no. it. I, so I just, I've been having conversations with people for, uh, uh, and I've been just posting them on YouTube. And I realized that I'm going to start having so many conversations with people that I need, I need a, a place to put it right yeah um and so i have a soundcloud and and, and if i can plug a prod the project that um, go ahead yeah i i am talking to i'm trying to reach out to people in every single state in the united states 50 people at least maybe more uh and have them write a one to two page here's what covid restrictions look like in my state here are the dates here here's what here's what the state told us to do here's what actually happened yeah. Because in a lot of places, states had had certain rules and people didn't follow them. I think that's good information. No. And so I'm trying to pull together this view because I think people in California don't realize what happened in Texas. People in Georgia don't realize what's going on in, in Seattle. Yeah. I'll talk to my Georgia friends and they're like, wait, you're still not in school. I'm like, I keep telling you people. Um, uh, yeah. Look, I, as, as somebody who during this process was in California and then went to Tulsa and Atlanta, different different worlds, different, I, different I, I'd, worlds. I'd love to have that information. I've never seen that formalized anywhere. Yeah. I think it, you really only get that information if you talk to people. Oh, 100%. So all right, yeah. and, and so we we will we will have a, right. a a link for people to go contact you because I'm sure many people want to do it. And let me also just make clear to everybody: this is not like an anti-lockdown thing. This is this is a mm-hmm. a, a point of you just want to memorialize what everybody's experiences are. So a year from now, we can look back and say. 
Oh, wow. Like that, that remember when is, that was, this is an oral history. There we uh, go. And I haven't seen it anywhere else. And that's what I want. So anyway, uh, who was, so, who was your guest on? Who was your guest on recently that was talking about the origins of, of the virus? Her name is Alina Chan. And she is a, she is a researcher and a, I would almost call her, I mean, she's almost inching towards being a historian about the uh, COVID origins. Yeah. She uh, has been following along. She's been researching and following along all the investigations uh, for a long time. She has done, uh, uh, she's read everything on uh, the origins of SARS-1 and SARS-2 um, and, and where they came from. And she was an incredibly valuable person to talk to uh, because before I talked to her, I uh, way back when this started, I remember talking to uh, a bunch of researchers, uh, virologists, and the general consensus was that COVID is, came from what we call a zoonotic origin, which means that we know it started, we know originally something like this was found in bats, but yep. there's enough of a gap in between the bat thing that we've found and COVID that we, it looks like, oh, it probably went to another species. And then it evolved and changed there before it jumped over to people. Um, that's how AIDS got started, yes. right? Was uh, that we know that AIDS was zoonotic origin. And that's like bird flu and and, and bird, stuff like yeah, that. Swine yeah. flu, yeah. right. That, 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 that happens all the time. Okay. Um, but, and, and there was a sort of general consensus that that's probably what happened here. And so I like, I took that and I put it in my brain and I said, okay, that's the answer. Right. And I didn't realize that over the last year, there has been a lot of fair, I'm going to be careful here with how I say this. There has been a proposal that maybe COVID was a lab escape, which is not the same as a bioweapon. Yes. Lab escapes as accidents happen also happen kind of a lot. There was an anthrax lab escape in the United States in the 70s. Uh, SARS-1 escaped from a lab two times. Um, the, the, it's, it's not unknown, and, and it's not an evil thing, right? No. Ac accidents do happen. They suck. We should try to make them not happen, but they do happen. Yeah. Um, the, in, in the investigations that have been going on, China has, has put their foot down and said, no, Accidents don't happen. It certainly didn't happen in this case. And um, there's been uh, and and a lot of people, especially especially driven by Chinese media, have tried to treat the lab, the idea that COVID escaped from a lab as a conspiracy theory. And Alina's big thing is this is not a conspiracy theory. This is an absolutely plausible theory that we can't prove, partly because China won't let us really investigate it. But but to be honest, like we don't have a lot of evidence for the, the zoonotic theory either. Yeah. When we have when we have zoonotic evidence, uh, like for for example, there was uh, I believe that originally SARS one was a zoonotic origin, uh, but then they found like muskrats and they found cats and they found like a whole range of animals that that were that that carried it in the wild, and so they're like, oh okay, well you know. There's that's excellent evidence that this jumped from, you know, from a domestic house cat to a person. Um, we found none of that. None of it. They have they have they have tested over 50,000 animals from 300 different species with zero results. And, and so that's that's the thing that I, I find fascinating 
that's weird. Is, is that <laughs> a? I think what what I thought of as just a guy who is uh, uh, going to wear his not a virologist shirt very right. proudly because I I don't want anybody to confuse me for anything other than a Brian Fellows level expert on <laughs> things that I've just read about and I want to care right. about. Uh, but I kind of was of the idea that, okay, a zoonotic transfer is just like Spider-Man. It's like Peter Parker, where it's like a, the wrong <laughs> bat bites you and now all of a sudden right. you get sick. Uh, whereas it seems like more often it is a disease that has become very pervasive in a certain section of the animal kingdom. And then something that would more easily bite humans or, or, or you know, come into contact with humans. That's what passes it on. Right. What I, I think I was most interested, though, in your conversation. And, and again, uh, g- give me your name because I want everybody to follow her on Twitter because she is a great oh, Twitter follower. Uh, Alina Chen. Alina Chen. Huge shout out. I very much enjoyed following her. Uh, the thing that I find fascinating about the stuff that she does and you highlighted was that we're we're very weirdly politically divided on this question of like, mm-hmm. all right, if you don't believe that it was either a zoonotic transport or, and I'm not even going to dignify what the, the Chinese government is trying to push right. now, that it was that it was on frozen fish sticks from from Bangladesh or whatever, yes. like uh, that it wasn't that, then like, all right, you're denying science if you don't think it is, and uh, let's say out and out, the most plausible based on on how things have gone in the past like mm-hmm. at least historically with with, with uh, uh, other covid things if you if you don't believe that then you're anti-science you're a dunderhead if right. you believe that it could be a lab leak then you're immediately plandemic uh dr fauci owns the <laughs> the patents on covid right. like um bill right. gates is microchipping you and it's like no there's Hey, we're never going to know the answers to this, number one. And number two, until we do, why aren't these things on the table? It's it's very, very weird because they're, I, I think it's very hard to understand why people think the way they do. I think there's, uh, I would say if you're generally anti-China, then you probably are more inclined to believe the lab leak theory because you think that that means China's evil. Or China's stupid, or something like well, that. Well, right? yeah, I, I would say China is, and I would consider myself to be a China skeptic. Uh, okay, I would say it. It is more. I'm more prone to believe it than probably the the, the average bear, because sure. I know that China does not like bad news getting out, and anything that they right. can <laughs> control, they will control, and and right. that's that's right. why I'm probably more like. At the absence of having a wealth of evidence of other things that have had this virus, I I become more curious yeah. about that. Yeah. No. I I and I just it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know where to, where to go with with some of this information because I I my general gist of things has been that more right-wing sources are more amenable to the lab escape theory yeah. and more left-wing sources are like, Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Um, and it doesn't help that, you know, there are right-wing sources who genuinely believe that this was a lab constructed bio bio weapon, yes. which not 
It wasn't. That that uh, that is highly unlikely. We 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 it, could say highly right. highly highly unlikely. There there are some ideas out there that um, that COVID was um, uh, was tested in a way to try to make it more virulent in order to protect from that virulence. Yeah, which uh, which Alina mentions that and was like. That might not be good research to do. Maybe we should stop doing that. Like, if but but that's the funny thing is like that actually that might be good research to do if it stopped if it stops the next pandemic. Yeah. But we deserve to know whether or not that was research that was done that started the pandemic. Yes. Like, it's important to know those things. I I I think that there is. I hope, I mean, I don't know, a part of me, I'm just writing all this off to the trauma of the moment, the fact that we're still in the middle of this fight, that that uh, we obviously, uh, uh, the, the political sphere, and I'm probably doing us no favors by putting this conversation in a political <laughs> podcast, so I'm acknowledging that I am part of the problem here, but uh, uh, this is obviously a world-affecting issue. Mm-hmm. I think there's no reason why we need reasonable people to be discounting uh, uh, theories on stuff that look, we we're probably all going to die, not knowing the answer to, because China is likely not going to, to uh, uh, have anything other than uh, what is the official story for them out there. And if they're in control of everything, which they are, then that's just going to be that. Right. And, and they've already silenced and punished so many of the people who were sort of at ground zero on this thing for for alerting the world to what was what was even happening. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can only assume that a year after the fact they have gone, they have done a fairly thorough scouring to find people who they think might talk or might know things and either disappeared them or promoted them within the communist party to make sure that they, they have skin in the game. I mean, like that. I mean, now, now I think we're, we're probably getting into a little bit of a, uh, of, of foreign policy fan fiction in terms of exactly <laughs> yeah. how things would go. But like, uh, sure. uh I, I, I do think that if we are all trying to do our best to understand why we're in this position and hopefully we are emerging from it. I, I I do just hope, and I thought that your conversation was a good example of like, let's just all lay what we know out on the table. Mm. And I think that there is a a media shortcut uh, of, and I I can go another forty five minutes on why <laughs> this is the case, but like a media shortcut of leading with the point. And I mm. think that when you're talking about quick things, if you're talking about a sports take or something like that. Cool. Sure. That's a great right. thing. When you're talking about something that's complex that we don't really know the answer to, then leading with uh, uh, the the point of view of like, this is a conspiracy theory, leading with the point of view mm-hmm. that this is a bioweapon doesn't get us in any way closer to to understanding what I think is a defining element of our time. It, 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 is, right. it is the same as us debating whether or not you know the the nine eleven hijackers were from Saudi Arabia, or 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 the money came from, uh, you know wherever the money came from. It's like let's just right. lay out what we know. We might not know I, everything. Alina said one thing that I I think was really really valuable, and I I wish just be, would become more of like a view among public health officials and the public in general. She said the WHO may not be equipped 
to run an investigation that gives us an answer. Yeah. And I just wish they would tell us that. That would, yeah. that would, that would be okay. Like, like I can't, like, it's, it's unreasonable to think that the WHO can force China to give them answers. That's yeah. no, they don't have that power. They're never, never going to have that power. And you, like, I, I hate to say that's okay, but it, whether or not it's okay, that's the world we live in. Right. Yeah. Um, and it would, it would be nice if we could come to that position and, and, and have our, um, our public health officials recognize the limitations and just be upfront with that. Right. I think the public is okay with that. I think we can, we can learn to live with the fact that we do have a lot of uncertainty and sometimes we can't get rid of it. And, you know, and that sucks, but we're just going to move ahead with what we do know. And that's, you know, from my personal point of view, which again is China skeptical, <laughs> CCP. Let sure. me, let me, let me, let me make this very clear. Chinese <laughs> communist party skeptical. Uh, mm, yes. I would prefer that the public discourse understand why we have uncertainty. I would yeah. prefer that we understand China won't turn these things over. They, mm -hmm. it took them however long to let a WHO group in there that they didn't even let talk to anybody uh, uh, or they're right. sorry, see anything that they, they, they allowed them to talk to a few people, but like that, that I would prefer that that be the case. All right. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, please plug your sub stack because it's great. Um, so my sub stack is polymath, P O L I M A T H at dot uh, substack.com. Uh, I publish two uh twice a week once for uh uh so for paid members and once for free um i am going to keep doing that until may which is basically when uh that, that's when we hit the biden administration's 100 days yep. 100 million vaccines 100 days uh i am probably going to pair it back to about once a week after that because we will be mostly over um, I talk mostly about COVID stuff, but I have a couple of things that are uh, culture related. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about um, art and media and, uh, and, and all, all, all sorts of data science things. Um, uh, I, I did a post last year about, uh, about data and the Supreme Court, which was entirely nonpartisan, just looking at like how the Supreme Court votes about stuff. Yeah. I find that stuff interesting and, uh, and I like to write about it. So come join us. Absolutely. Uh, uh, highly recommended. Uh, I am a subscriber. You should be too. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Justin. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Head on over to px3guest.com to uh, follow the Twitter of Polymath Matt. Uh, and as always, the, the best free way that you can support this show, if you're on Twitter, is to head to our guests, if you like them, and let them know that you are are thankful that they came on PX3. Uh, I, I, I love watching after each and every episode, our, our guests just be, you know, just get a couple like, hey man, thanks for coming on the show. They always love it. They're liking it. They're retweeting it. It's just a circle of love, man. And 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 that stuff goes so far. You guys have no idea how far it goes. If you'd like to email the show, you can do so at theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at px3tweets. A reminder that you can vote starting today, Friday, on round two of our amendment brackets. 
You can follow us live on Twitch, px3live.com. Our newsletter is the freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Just free political newsletter. No, the. Our podcast is px3podcast.com. And there's a variety of ways that you can support us. The the one-time way is hitting up my PayPal, paypal.me slash payjury. You can also hit me up on Cash App, px3cash. And of course, the dollar Venmo, folks, never fail. Dollar Venmo, guys, are the best. Edward Mitchell hit me up with 99 cents and said, I'm a $3 patron. And you on a full dollar? Uh, uh, Scott writes, I just got to get uh, in on this latest trend. He gave me a, a, a buck. And Will, Will Griffith said, a dollar to me, always tip your bracket tender. Well, I'll have to split that one with Brian. If you would like to send anything physically to me, it is P.O. Box 10853, Oakland, California, 94610. But the way that you get bonus content and the way that you get your name shouted out on this show is by heading on over to our Patreon at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Including our Titanic, $10 tier. Headphones, Neil, Dr. G, the other half of Whiskey Wednesday, Idris, the Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley, Stephen, Kathy, Mag, Zombie, Doc, D, really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle, The Gen, Middle-Aged Mike, Cujo, Dotcom, Junkie, Calamity, Zap, D, Laser, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Cujo, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, Appraisers Are Awesome, Snuffies off Route 44, Charles, Archie, David, Olin, and Angela, DL, Miranda, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, Frozen Summers, Jay Pink, and Andrew. If you would like your name shouted out, the place to go is takepoliticsseriously.com. That's it for this week. Till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying, uh, remember to set your clocks ahead. And some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics. And still more, man. They're out here talking about politics. But this, this is the only show that dares talk about Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.